as you know, 2022-23 has been designated the RBBC year of being members one of another. That is taken from Romans 12.5, which doesn't tell us to be members one of another. It proclaims that we already are in the body of Christ. We are members one of another. One of another. However, it admonishes us to focus on being effective and faithful in this. And we have highlighted and will continue to highlight that theme, members one of another, through uh, likely the middle of this coming fall. I'm preaching a specific one another principle, <clears throat> each Lord's Supper message, and so far in the past three Lord's Suppers that I've led, we focused on loving one another, edifying one another, and receiving one another. Today's focus is forgiving one another. And as I'd mentioned earlier, it uh, will be <clears throat> as irritating and agitating uh, a theme for maybe one or many of you, or as liberating a theme for one or many of you uh, as we have had so far in this focus of members one of another. Because this issue of forgiveness, forgiving those who have deeply hurt you, makes a difference more than even uh, just for that person, but for you, because you very well may be the one harboring the unforgiveness. The Word of God speaks very clearly to this. Ephesians chapter 4. If you'd make your way to the book of Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 31, and, and really it's just two verses because chapter 4, as you know, begins the practical section in the book of Ephesians, and at the beginning of chapter 4, it talks about being, walking in unity, living peacefully among uh, one another in the body of Christ, and here near the end of, in fact, at the end of chapter 4, wrapping up that first practical chapter, it talks about how we're to treat one another even when we are not treated well, by the way, um, for the body of Christ, it speaks to this beginning in verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. <clears throat> The command to forgive one another is quite easy to say, quite easy to preach, not nearly as easy to realize in one's life. In fact, it's impossible to do so in one's own strength. I cannot muster up enough uh, ingenuity, energy, um, fortitude to be able to forgive <clears throat> someone uh, who has deeply wounded me. Now, most of you know, I know what I'm saying in this realm. Um, Thirty-seven and a half years ago, when I was very briefly uh, into my first pastorate in Sedalia in 1985, I went there as a senior pastor in July or August of 85. On December 20th, 1985, my dad, my 13-year-old brother, my nine-year-old sister, were killed instantly by a guy uh, who was driving a car, a big 
4,000-pound um, Bonneville, I believe, if you all remember those. Are those still made? I don't even know if they are. Um, and uh, going about 110 miles an hour on Holmes Road, <coughs> it was estimated, and uh, ran into the front of my dad's Camaro uh, with he and my uh, two brothers and sister. The one brother ended up living, body cast for six months. Uh, the other three were killed uh, instantly. Uh, the one uh, brain dead at Children's Mercy Hospital, organs were harvested because a nine-year-old has good, healthy organs. Just, I mean, uh, it, was as, it was as catastrophic an event um, as, as I guess that I'd ever experienced um, uh, and, uh, and wouldn't want anyone to. And with God as my witness, he had worked a, a heart of forgiveness in me from that moment until this very day. Now, I, I struggled with unforgiveness with some aspects of it related to other situations and folks. So I don't want you to uh, think that I'm, I'm just walking in the heavenlies all the time. <laughs> Not that I fear you thought that. Um, but there was instantaneous and complete and continued forgiveness. Um, the best I know without any hint of animosity, hatred, bitterness uh, toward that tr- truly degenerate in society uh, with, a, with, a, with a rap sheet, no sense of, of remorse, never reached out to the family uh, expressing any kind of uh, guilt, remorse, or, or any such thing, um, but it was pretty much matter-of-fact business as usual. That will test you. And so I'm coming from a position of, and by the way, that's not the, that, that is not as great a test as some of, of you all have. Uh, Sister Donna McCoy, are you there? Hey, Donna, she's sleeping back there. You, you've been tested in your life. I thought about you this morning, God bless you, uh, in this, in having to forgive a deep wound um, with your sister, do I remember correctly? How many years ago was that? How many decades ago was that? 60 years? 60 years ago. Uh, and Donna has, has been walking with God in, in a sweet uh, intimacy with the Lord uh, for all the years, the 40 years I've known her. Well, that wouldn't be the case if she was harboring unforgiveness. And it won't be the case for you if you are harboring unforgiveness. So let's get into this right now, if I may. A couple of primary points if you're taking notes. First of all, we see in verse 31 the cancer of unforgiveness. The cancer of unforgiveness. Forgiving someone is contrary, really, to our culture, and yet we are commanded to do just that. Now notice in verse 31, this is, uh, uh, the grammar here is, is important that you get. Notice it says that it commands us, it's an imperative verb, get rid of the bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, and malice. You as a believer uh, in the church to get rid of that, and yet it's passive voice, the action is going to come from without. It's going to come from some other. You're not the one to get rid of this because I can't just arbitrarily say, okay, I'm going to get rid of my hatred. Okay, there we go. I'm just going to get rid of it. No, 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 no. See, it's passive. It's not an active voice. It's not even middle voice. Vic, you get rid of this. It's passive voice. The action must happen to me. You say, well, what action could possibly happen to me that would cause me to obey the imperative of verse 31? Great 
question. And I'm going to share it in the next point because it clears it up. It, it resolves it. Let's get into the specificity uh, about this issue of being uh, of, of the cancer of unforgiveness and being offended. Uh, I like what John MacArthur wrote, kind of uh, the opposite side of this argument. He said, today's secular, psychologically seduced culture, which is bent on exercising, glorifying the sin of self-esteem, mocks forgiveness. People cling tenaciously to their personal right to be offended at every supposed wrong they experience. They also take much satisfaction in exacting vengeance on others. All of that is contrary to what Scripture teaches us and is all the more reason Christians must be characterized as forgiving. Folks, this was written long before the concept of intersectionality was ever known. And so this, uh, uh, this quote is now on steroids. It has become a, a monster of its own that people in the church are seemingly, not in this church, but in the body of Christ, those who profess to know the Lord, seemingly are looking, spoiling for an opportunity to have hurt feelings, to be wounded, to be offended, to become a victim and live in that victimhood as if that is somehow beneficial and honoring to the Lord. It seems that one of the most spiritually, if not the most spiritually debilitating issues in the life of a believer is harboring unforgiveness, bitterness, unresolved conflict towards someone else. It's really a bondage. It's really cancer because it is eating away. The rottenness is doing its work silently initially, just like cancer does. You might not even know that it's there. You might not even sense that uh, it is going on, and yet it is still present. A couple of subpoints, if you will. First of all, this unforgiveness will result in internal disablement. Notice the first part of verse 31. It includes three points, bitterness, wrath, and anger. Uh, and it's likely that all of us have experienced this trio of soul cancers, maybe from time to time. Maybe you are entrenched in it, and maybe it has it, and is producing disabled. You're becoming disabled. You're becoming disabled in your soul uh, that is disabled in how you are able to relate to another person. You say, well, how does one know that? Well, think about, is there anyone with, that can come to your mind right now from 40 years ago or four minutes ago that if that person comes to your mind, you know that there's not a fresh, vital, thrilling intimacy with that person. Well, you know if that's the case, then there's some disablement going on. There's not a fresh, free-flowing vitality between the two of you. Husband, wife, parent, child, neighbor, uh, uh, former pastor, current pastor. <laughs> uh, there's something there that's disabling. And it specifies it here in this verse. First of all, it says, let all bitterness get away from you. Um, it's, the, it's the Hebrews 12, 15. It's that root that is planted deep in one soul, and it's due to unresolved conflict because the verse 5, 4 says, follow peace with everyone. And if you're not, then there's going to be a root of bitterness, and it's going to spring up and defile many. It's going to defile those around you. And it goes on to say in verse 31, wrath. It's that rage without its spontaneous eruption. And also 
anger, uh, the, the deep-seated, um, smoldering animosity of chewing on it. It's the cow chewing its cud and, and over and over again uh, dealing with it. All the while, the person holding that is becoming more and more disabled because you are not able to love and care for and minister to that one who is the focus of that unforgiveness. And it may have been a, a, a true offense. It may not be that you're dreaming of this offense. You may actually have been run over by that person. You may actually have been uh, abused and hurt and, and all the rest. And, and, and uh, all of the, the statistics say how many people, especially uh, uh, middle-aged women uh, who, uh, who, when they were 8 and 10 and 12 and 14 years old, were treated um, so sinfully, and, and, it, uh, and it's still there. And it still, it still has a stronghold there, and there is a sense of inhibition. There's a sense of not being completely free in one's life to be able to, uh, to really let go because you're still anchored to that offense. Now, I say that with all, uh, uh, with all the, uh, whatever humility uh, I can muster, 37 and a half years ago, when half of my nuclear family was taken in, in a wicked, vicious way, if I was parked there, if I took the reins of uh, uh, my horse and wrapped them around that post, I'd still be hooked there today. You all follow that illustration? You can't do it. Don't do that. It says in verse 31, do not do that because there's going to be internal disablement. Secondly, in verse 31, there's also going to be external defilement. External defilement. Notice at the end of verse 31, it also lists three things. There's going to be clamor, evil speaking, and malice. Sooner or later, the harboring of the unforgiveness in your heart is going to become obvious to all. It's the defiling many of Hebrews 12 and verse 15. It will come out. Folks will see it. There will be something which, there's a wall, there's a blockade from the freedom that there ought to be, the transparency that there ought to be among believers with one another. The three items mentioned there is clamor. That's the, uh, the outcry of strife. It's the public outburst the verbally brawling because of that offense and it's not necessarily with that person oh you may be able to have behavior modification with that one person but it will come out it will come out because that cancer is still chewing away inside in your soul so there's the clamor or the evil speaking it's the same word as blasphemy by the way very same word as blasphemy towards someone else with the intent of hurting that person, even if the information is true. How many times have I said to folks, and, and uh, uh, there's a particular person in my life that I've said time and time again, now, making him smaller does not make you taller. This is not helping you. This is not helping me. When you run, well, yeah, uh, but Vic, uh, what I'm saying is true. It actually happened. 
yeah, but why are you telling me this? What is your motive? Is your motive to help me? Is your motive to build that person? Is your motive for resolution? Because if your motive is for resolution, let's go. I'll walk with you. Let's go right and let's deal with it. Let's put it down on the table. Let's get that cancer out so we can see it and deal with it. But that's not what someone with unforgiveness wants to do. Because if you're holding unforgiveness, there's a, uh, there's a, a warped sense of, I have control. I have control of you. And in fact, in your own heart, you do. Because when someone offends you and you're not, you've not forgiven that one, then he or she is in prison in your heart. And you're the only one with the key. But guess what? You have to stand guard. You've got to be the warden. And you are 24-7 guarding the jail cell to make sure he is doing his time because he deserves to do that time. Well, he very well may. But you're guarding the jail cell. You're in bondage. You're in prison with him. Y'all following that? If he's in your heart and she is in your heart. Secondly, or thirdly, malice, the general term for evil. Get rid of it. Um, All of this bondage ultimately will lead to every variety of evil if not addressed. And so think back on that situation where you were abused, used, slandered, ripped off, hurt, maligned, ignored, neglected. Might not have even been something active done to you. Might have been a passive type of an offense. And does that name, does that face still cause a measure of stirring, a negative stirring in your soul? If so, then it very well could be an issue of the cancer of unforgiveness. And then we see in verse 32, the resolution, the compassion of forgiveness. This is how you answer the command of verse 31, even though it's in the passive voice, by not trying to excommunicate clamor and evil speaking and all that, but by putting on the positive qualities, and those are listed in verse 32, kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So the mechanism of how to forgive is not by trying to focus on the anger that you have. Don't make that your focus. I've, I've said this uh, in, in the past. If, if your issue is smoking cigarettes, and nicotine, as I understand it, uh, is about as uh, addictive microgram per microgram as any substance that there is. I've, not, uh, I've never had that uh, issue in my life, so I can't fully identify, but I believe it. I believe it's true, that it is addictive, and that there are genuine believers who are addicted and don't want to be, truly don't want to be. But here's the error, making the cigarette the focus. You can't have me. You're not going to take control of me. Oh, I'm not going to. Oh, okay, just this one more time. If you make the cigarette, there's no power in the cigarette releasing you from that addiction, right? And so you, 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 you acknowledge it's there, but then you cast your attention to what can bring you deliverance. Well, same, the same is true uh, with forgiveness. You don't make uh, the anger and the offense what the issue is. Don't focus on that, but instead turn your attention to where the cure, where the remedy is, and it's found in verse 32. First of all, the qualities of forgiveness. The first part of verse 32, kindness, tenderhearted, and forgiving one another. First Peter 2.1 says, 
Wherefore, laying aside all malice and uh, guile and hypocrisies and evil uh, envies and all evil speakers, putting that away and put on kindness. It is the, uh, it's the, uh, uh, the mechanism, if you will, of being benevolent, of being gracious. And you say, well, how do you put that on? You, you move out, it's a verb. You move out and do it. You actually look for an opportunity to show kindness toward the offender. What if he, doesn't, he hasn't repented yet? What if he hasn't asked me to forgive him yet? When were you chosen in the Lord? Before the foundation of the world. When did Christ die for you? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You can't help how he or she is going to act and react. You can only help how you are to obey what verse 32 says. And it says, put on kindness. So in whatever way, shape, or form you understand kindness to be, that is what the Lord commands you to put on. And then tenderhearted. It speaks of compassion. Having a soft spot in your heart for the one who has hurt you because that is exactly who you were, who I was in the eyes of God before coming to know him. Y'all follow that? We offended him every way that he could be offended. Oh, what a blasphemer I was. Maybe that's why uh, uh, I absolutely, language goes through me like a knife. Uh, 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 Evil language and blasphemy. Now, Probably because uh, I, am, I am acutely aware of what a blasphemer I could be before salvation and not even know it. Now, I, I'm not happy about that. I'm just use, but using that by way of illustration. And, and so how the ways that I have offended God, that I have been an affront to God, who is the Holy One, the, the Lord of glory, and yet he was kind and tenderhearted toward me. And then it says, forgiving one another there at the end of verse 32. And it's not the usual word for forgive. When God forgives, the word means to send away. Like the sins of the people were, were confessed over the head of the scapegoat. Uh, and he was sent away into the wilderness. Um, only God can do that. Only God can remove sin. Believers, however, are to not hold another one captive in your hearts, and this is the word for grace. So you grant grace. Well, what if he killed someone I, I love? Uh, hello? What if he uh, 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 runs me down? What if he uh, causes me to be fired? And uh, What if he steals my spouse? What if he robs the, the heart and the, uh, the attention of my grandchild? And on and on and on. There are a myriad of examples. Just life experience will give you that. And yet, You're called to show grace. You're commanded to show grace. In just a minute, we'll get to why that's the case. But in the meantime, Romans 12, 19 and 21, boy, it lays it out. And this is the practical chapter of Romans. Uh, Romans 12, 1 begins the practical section. And and just about uh, near the beginning of it, it says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather Give place unto wrath. Move wrath out of the side, because vengeance is mine. I'll repay, saith the Lord. So what are you to do? If your enemy's hunger is feeding, 
If he thirst, give him drink. If for in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's exactly what Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 are saying. Don't make the evil and the, uh, the reactions to that the focus, but make the good the focus of how you can minister. You can pour yourself into that offending party. Doesn't mean God has forgiven that person. Doesn't mean they're off the hook, that person's off the hook with God, but you are no longer holding him or her in bondage in your soul. Ergo, you are honoring God and you are free in your soul. No longer cancer, but in fact, there's compassion for that one. Now, here's how it all works. Here's how the qualities, or why, maybe better stated, uh, the qualities. Are, can be in operation. It's because of the qualification that's given. Really, there's only one qualification. Not that he or she is deserving. Not that you are uh, hyper-spiritual and you're holier than thou. None of those things. We're to do it simply because of the qualification we have been forgiven. God has forgiven you um, in Christ. For Christ's sake, he has forgiven you. Now, he's forgiven you how much, Brother Scott? How much has he forgiven you? Completely. What's our verse? We're cleansed from? He didn't know I was going to put him on the spot. <laughs> He's going to get me for that one. He's going to come up here and say, Now, uh, uh, Vic, I'm going to play this uh, song, and I want you to uh, sing along with it. <laughs> He'll do something like that to me. We're cleansed from all unrighteousness in Christ. To the degree that Ephesians 1 says, we're seated in heavenly places in him. We're complete in him, Colossians 2.10. Uh, and uh, uh, we're washed in his blood, Revelation 1.5. Uh, we're accepted in the beloved, Ephesians 1. And so to that degree, I am to release, set free that sinner who's hurt me by not just let go, and I'm not going to worry about it. Okay, I won't think about it anymore. No, no, that's the work of the flesh. But by showing kindness. You say, what if the person's dead? Well, great question. What if the person's somewhere, and I, I don't even know? How can you bless uh, that, that one? Well, you can bless God that, uh, that you've been forgiven, even uh, in the midst of that. You can pray for that one uh, if he or she is still around. There's any, just, just dream. How can you uh, be kind, be tenderhearted, uh, show grace to that one? And it's based on the, the, the quality of forgiveness you've received. Uh, Exodus 34, 7 describes God as he who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Uh, the parable, parable of the prodigal son demonstrating the forgiving heart of God and um, Colossians 3:13 commanding believers to forgive one another even as Christ hath forgiven you so also you must do now look what the prophet Micah wrote about this in Micah 7 verses 18 and 19 who is a god like unto thee who pardons iniquity passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retains not his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. Now we'll cast all their sins into the depth of the sea. 
Now, if he did that for me, when he was offended, though totally just, how much more am I called to do that when I am not, haven't been perfect in all ways as he has been? You all follow that? I am called to forgive, to jettison the cancer by pouring in that which is wholesome into the life of that offender. How can you tell when the churning in your soul stops? If the, if the relationship is still strained, then you can pretty much guarantee that forgiveness has not been granted. Do you find yourself thinking about or talking about how terribly you have been treated? You find yourself uh, ruminating about that, reminiscing about that? That's a good indicator that the work of forgiveness has not done its full work. Uh, What does that mean? It means that I'm going to have that cancer in my soul, chewing away. And folks, chewing away for... Remember uh, the book of Ruth, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, who said... Going back home, she'd lost her husband, lost her two sons. They married pagan wives, and now the pagan wives are gone. And and she said, okay, we're going back home, going back home to to Israel. And uh, uh, she said, don't call me that anymore. Call me what? Mara. Because that, what what does Mara mean? Bitter. Don't call me Naomi. Pleasant. Call me Mara. For the Almighty hath dealt bitterly, been very bitter toward me. Blaming God for her bitterness. See, it can really sink to a deep, deep low in the life of one who is God-fearing and a believer. It's not written to lost people to do this. It's written because of what Christ has done for you as a child of God. You're to walk in a spirit of forgiveness. In a moment, when we leave, the ushers are going to be at the back door. And each usher is going to have a worksheet. It's called Making It Personal. Uh, I, we've received permission. Life Action Ministries put this out many years ago. We've re- received permission to make copies. So it's all, it's all above board. But it's a worksheet on, on uh, discerning, do I have areas of unforgiveness in my soul? I made up 50 copies. Uh, I can make more. Uh, they're free, but take one if you will work through it. It's very simple. Um, uh, you, the, number two says, there's no way I could ever forgive, name the person, for name the offense. He or she hurt me so deeply. And then it goes through a series of questions. And, and then the, the next, uh, that person doesn't deserve forgiveness. And it goes through a series of, uh, uh, of examinations. And if I forgive that person, does that mean that he or she is off the hook. And it, it goes through the normal human uh, machinations, the mechanism of working through forgiveness. So this very well may be a helpful tool for you, for a spouse, for a grandchild, someone that you know is caught up and in fact poisoned with bitterness, entrenched animosity, and there's the need for forgiveness Pick up one of those on your way out. If we run out, then you see me, write your name down, 
and I'll make sure that you get one of those. Lord, we ask now, I ask that you would bring freedom to the hearts of those who have been forgiven and uh, who have been offended and not uh, granted forgiveness and a release. Your children who are uh, in prison uh, in their souls because of having to stand guard over that offender. Lord, would you uh, bring liberty and a release and a freedom for a new day? Use this worksheet. Use this message. Use your word by your spirit to convict, to bring to repentance, and to put on the qualities of kindness, tenderheartedness, grace toward those who would want to and have done us wrong. Clearly, all of us have been hurt in life. Certainly that's the case. Search our hearts, Spirit of God. See if there's the wicked way of unforgiveness in any of our souls so that that may be eradicated beginning 